0: Welcome in everybody and good morning. Happy July 5th, the 5th of July to all of you out there. Hope everybody had a safe and fun long weekend of sorts. I know we did here in the South and wanted to say hello to uh, to our good friend Nick Kendall out in Seattle. Thanks for joining us this morning, co-host of the Falcons podcast. So welcome in Nick. How was your uh, your long Fourth weekend?
1: It was pretty good. I was in work on Monday, uh, so not too uh, short of a weekend. And so far, only one wildfire out here in Washington started by fireworks. So I guess uh, that's better than two. Uh, But uh, hopefully everybody was safe out there. Everybody still has all their digits and uh, eyeballs intact. Uh, But uh, no, overall, pretty good Uh, one, just mostly pretty mostly pretty relaxing so which is fine
0: good we've had so much rain here in the south here in the last week or so that your the, their fireworks were are you going to be able to get them off mm-hmm. not uh not the question of is it what's it going to do we've turned into a, a a rainforest here the last couple of weeks so i think that was probably going to be pretty safe but yeah it, the uh, the fireworks themselves let the professionals handle it and uh and have some fun
1: you know what's cooler than the fireworks have you seen any of the drone shows those are unbelievable with the lights and the drones those are i mean crazy I'm not a big fireworks
0: guy anyway I mean I like now that my my kids are older you know that they're like they don't care I don't care <laughs> there's no one that when they were younger you know they're they're 11 and 13 they're like yeah been there done that dad we want to go do something else all right, right so um but yeah a, a good time nonetheless and uh I hope everybody had a, a good Fourth. I can sleep through the fireworks now that that helps also <laughs> so Let's say good morning to some folks as the chat is opening up and reaching out on uh, on the various platforms that we're on. Alan was in nice and early. He says, "Good morning, all! What a wonderful morning in South Georgia! You know it is. It's been it's been cool. We were supposed to have mid to high nineties all last weekend and through part of the week, and it it hit that one day, and then it's been the rain has kept things cool. It's been muggy, but it's it hasn't been uh, hasn't been that bad. So it, it is a gorgeous morning here this morning." Michael Ranquio says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for joining us. John Harrell, that feels like a newer name. So, uh, JHJ coming in. He says, good morning, guys. Good morning to you and welcome in. Floyd Donnelly, welcome back. feel like it's been a little bit. So, welcome back in. He says, what's up? Good morning. Hello to Mr. Kennedy and Nick Kendall. Thank you, sir. See, I'm the old guy. I get the mister. Uh, And Kevin Fitzpatrick, breaking the ice for us over there on, on, on Facebook. Welcome in as well. Uh heard that before. (laughs) Come in. Now you may have heard that before, but I don't know that we've seen you before. So welcome in. It's good to good to have you here. And uh Brandon Parham has joining us from uh Virginia. He says, Good morning, Falcons fan. Well in Virginia here, rise up. Um, and I still use the rise up, they still use it in Atlanta. Dirty, they they've kind of moved on to just back to the dirty birds, but rise up still works. It's a good way to say hello. Like you say hello to somebody in Auburn by saying War Eagle, you know, roll Tide. You know what do you say at the fountains rise up that one always worked. you're walking through the airport you pause some that pass somebody on there rise up that 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 makes sense you don't just say dirty birds that doesn't make any sense 100 realists is good morning fellas storming here in northwest georgia heard some of that hadn't made its way down quite south to uh north metro area for us joe cannon great morning uh scott and nick good morning to you joe chris walker everybody coming in good morning hope all of you had an enjoyable fourth uh, appreciate you appreciate you being here and Cortez Sherman that feels like a, a little bit of a newer name too says good morning everyone and good morning to you as well so hello everybody welcome in and reminder to those of you listening after the fact on the podcast we are live every Monday and Wednesday unless we are off on a Monday and then you'll get a note so follow us on Twitter uh that's where I'll, I'll give my announcements um but er- every Monday at 9 a.m. on Monday and Wednesday so appreciate y'all being here Nick, want to get into a few topics today. Uh, the first of which being, let's let's hit uh, maybe in a little out of order here. The first of which being, uh, I guess CBS Sports ranked the the, uh, the NFL coaches one through thirty-two, and they had uh, Arthur Smith ranked as number twenty-nine overall. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the initial ranking without seeing any other on the list? If you're thinking Arthur Smith. You know, where would you think he should belong? And, you know, we talk tiers. What Mm -hmm. kind of tier would you think he would be in uh, after his first two
1: years with the Atlanta Falcons? For me, it would be kind of like when you rank quarterbacks, a young quarterback who's been on a horrible team and they've done well despite uh, the weaponry around them, uh, but wouldn't uh, have them totally ranked yet. So still to be determined for me, if I was doing, you know, just a straight up ranking, I'd have him somewhere in the 20s, but he could easily uh, rise up quickly. I think he's a great offensive schemer, but I still have question, question marks about the overall uh, ability to run the entire organization, just given we haven't seen it come together just yet. I think the Falcons have, specifically last year, overperformed, but in a one-year sample size, you know, the one-score games, injury luck, et cetera, et cetera, that can flip pretty quickly. So I think somewhere in the 20s is good. 29 is a little bit low for me, off the cuff, especially when we have a bunch of guys that are completely unproven in that regard yeah third third to last but uh i think 20s is about uh 18 to like 22 is where i'd have him but i think could easily rise up quickly especially now that this team on paper looks a lot more well-rounded uh in the talent department
0: yeah i mean 29 feels low to me considering how much he has overachieved with this roster especially last year you know and we'll move on to the atlanta falcons uh against the spread stuff but it says you know there are 2020 to win total projection for the betting line was four and a half. They won seven. Okay. So that was overachieving according to the same people that are doing these type of prognostications. So if he's overachieving, why was he overachieving? Um, the other part of it is, I guess is some of the, the back and forth that goes with the descriptions on here. And it, it was bent, it was, um, well, was Cody Benjamin of CBS Sports he says the man can drop a ground game, which should be bolstered by Bijan Robinson arrival, but his D has been made consistently porous. He's yet to taste second place in a week NFC South. Okay. And he's now in three years without much of a promising plan, at quarterback where Desmond Ritter will be tasked with captaining a widely expected breakout. Okay. So for me, I, I think I use the phrase, um, uh, Intellectually dishonest at worst, hypocritical at best on that one. And the the reason why is if you're going to ding him for not having a plan at quarterback and the past two years with the poorest defense, okay, well, those are two separate things. And Nick, I'd say they have a plan on defense now. So you're going to ding him for something that Desmond Ritter hasn't done. Well, they don't have a plan beyond Desmond Ritter. Well, they do have a plan beyond what they've done at defense now. So it's, it's hypocritical to me to to basically, I'm going to give you black marks for this and black marks for this, even though you have corrected one and we're still waiting to see the other. But I don't believe that you're, you're in your plan. So you get a strike on both of these. I I didn't like that. I I didn't didn't like that. I think the the plan is pretty clear on defense.
1: Get better players. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a huge year for Arthur Smith. Obviously, how Nelson does the defensive coordinator and how they've spent money there. It's no longer, you know, Dean Peace, you know, making kind of little snide jokes out there where the talent, anybody who's watching the team knows that they don't have the pieces to contend on the defensive side of the ball. Still, we have question marks on defense without a doubt. This isn't going to be a top five unit, in my opinion, this year. Uh, but the higher and the direction of the defense and the overall uh, team is going to be a uh, a big indicator for Arthur Smith going forward. If this team under does underachieve, we might have to have a conversation about Arthur Smith overall this season because this is a not a... You know, bleep or get off the pot year, but everything sets up really nicely for the Falcons to be legitimate uh, playoff contenders and NFC South contenders. So big season for him. I think we're going to find out a lot more about him. And also, I would I would disagree a little bit about Plan B at quarterback too. I mean, Taylor Heineke is not a horrible uh, backup quarterback, especially when you consider Desmond Ritter is ranked also in one of the bottom three across the board in a lot of Mm -hmm. different areas as well. So uh, long term question marks at quarterback, without a doubt, but. I think Arthur Smith is somebody who, just because, and this is, you know, no offense, Falcons fans, but the Falcons have been pretty irrelevant here the last, you know, three to four years. You know, not a lot of people paying attention to them. I don't think a lot of people even know uh, who Arthur Smith is in the NFL landscape, and uh, haven't watched many Falcons. I mean, we've seen this team. We saw last year they the offensive weaponry was kind of a meme uh, to start the season last year. You know, who even are these guys? But they're definitely on the up and up now in that regard. And uh, Arthur Smith's ability to scheme on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's going to be much more appreciated, especially now that you got a Bijan Robinson, you guys are going to be talked about. It's going to be, you're going to have fun with our, uh, Bijan. He's going to bring some light to uh, Arthur. Smith.
0: I, I always think, I always think uh major league when they publish the, 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 the opening 25 man roster of the Cleveland Indians. And that movie's from the eighties. Nick, if you haven't seen it, you gotta I, see it. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was, I, was, you know, who are these effing guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I consider that all the time. And, you know, about that defense, you know, he's, he's had kind of a porous defense. I brought up that tweet I had after the Arizona game, and this was how the the defense lined up that day in the starting, let alone the, 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 the backups fifth round, pick waiver wire, add undrafted rookie, free agent, fifth round, pick free agent, first round, pick second round, pick fourth round, pick practice squad pickup. Those were your guys out there. Um, you know, so excuse me for not worrying about the, about, yeah, about that defense. You know, he's had a porous defense. Really? Yeah. You think, yeah. you know, I've used the joke. They've, they've, they put, you know, Dean Peace was out there with duct tape, AJ Terrell, Grady Jarrett, and a bunch of castoffs from the bears and Titans. The other problem I have with this, Nick is, you know, in, there was a, it generated a lot of conversation on our Facebook page. You know, he hasn't done this. He hasn't, that hadn't proven. Okay. I, I get that. You know, he's. He's seven and ten. Could have won this. Stuck with Marcus Mariota too long. You know, okay. Um, it wasn't a playoff roster, regardless. I would have liked to have seen Ritter, but those are micro problems for me, Nick. Those are those are things that's going to be debated one way or the other on either side. Not the Josh McDaniels glaring f ups that we see every single year, where everybody and his mom is saying, you know, what did you do? Um, but. If that's the case, and you're like, okay, well, what has he proven? Then I, and someone said that in the chat. I said, okay, now explain Shane Steichen and, and, and D'Amico Ryan's to me. And, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, those guys are 23rd and 24th or 24th and 25th in these rankings. They've never coached a game mm-hmm. ever it, 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 as a head coach. So, how do you put those guys on, on that list ahead of? someone who has greatly overachieved. If D'Amico Ryans wins seven games this year with the Houston Texans, I'll consider it a terrific job. That's yeah. the same boat that
1: Arthur Smith has been in the last two years. Just a celebrity, I guess, coming from their coordination spot. Uh, really renowned units. Not that you know Arthur Smith wasn't totally unrenowned coming out of Tennessee, but it was the Derrick Henry show out there and then Arthur Smith gets hired. So he's just been kind of you know under the radar, so to speak. But people who, especially people who, appreciate scheming and the football side of things really do like Arthur Smith. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Robert Mays and Nate Tice who do the main football shows uh, for the athletic. Uh, And they just, you know, anytime they get a chance talk about the Falcons and how brilliant Arthur Smith is in the offensive design and what he's done for that running game and trying to limit Marcus Mariota, so to to speak. So there are people out there who appreciate Arthur Smith for what he's doing as the offensive uh, game designer, game planner, We'll see what it looks like for the overall unit this year, special teams as well. We'll see how that plays out for the Falcons because he's not just going to be judged based on how the offense performs. Defense and special teams is also going to be part of the uh, formula for the head coach. But 29, I think is disrespectful. I think speaks more towards just how unseen the Falcons have been in the national limelight. And I think that is bound to change this season with the Falcons really setting up for a a strong year. I think it's going to be one of those things where we're going to be paying attention to Bijan Robinson and it's going to be, November and the Falcons will be three games above 500. And we'll be like, oh man, this is a team that, you know, maybe they get matched up with the Cowboys or something. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a uh, first wild card playoff game.
0: Yeah. and I, I warned people all last year, uh, as, as you know, that, you know, listen, this could have a worse record, but be a better team last year. And they, they overachieved. And a lot of it had to do with the lines of scrimmage. And that's the identity that Arthur Smith wants to build, which I am, hundred percent behind after watching what thomas Dimitrov did to this team uh kevin says we lost you on facebook and youtube my picture kind of went dark that like you saw me try and readjust my white balance but i just checked and we're still streaming so there so everybody give me kind of a thumbs up uh Cristiano is here he says uh good morning guys glad to see you, even if the subject is not broncos related so uh ready to learn some falcons so Cristiano is here but it's, it is a little quiet in the chat so i, I just checked and we were there so g- give me a Give me a, a wave. Our numbers are a little down today. So hopefully uh, we're still streaming to uh, to YouTube as well. Alan says we're good. Brandon says we're good. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, that's all we're going to talk about here. Because at the end of the day, the head coach rankings don't really matter. The, the stuff that's going to matter is the wins and losses. And sometimes I feel that the, the, they end up doing this as power rankings. You know, it's, you know, I saw Bill Barnwell do that about the offseason that the Falcons had. And they were like 30th. I'm like... What are you talking about? Um, they had a they had a really good off season. Well, we didn't get the quarterback. They like their quarterback. Okay, they may end up being wrong on that, but they didn't prioritize a quarterback because they like the quarterback. And the final thing I'm going to say on this, I guess my final word is: when I'm ranking head coaches, are they doing more or less with what they've got? You cannot look at this team and say, okay, this was a seven and ten team. The reason why they weren't have more wins than more than seven wins was because of Arthur Smith. This roster was built to have be a playoff team, it was built Mm -hmm. that way. No, this was a three win, a two or three win roster. They won seven. Now there's some luck in there. This this team was injured, all that. That's for everybody that goes around the league. I look at the Denver Broncos, for example, there's the extreme other side of this case that was a team that wanted to go 11 and six. And I can point right at the head coach and say, here's a big problem, Nick.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, last season, the Falcons have been, the sum has been better than the individual parts, right? The sum of the parts is better. So hopefully that's something that with better talent on the team, this season should be exponentially better out there. The Broncos last season, they were talented, you know, I think when the AFC West, we were talking about a year ago, completely imploded. And it's not just the, stuff on the field too. It's the leadership. It's everybody pulling the same direction. I mean, there was way too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, so to speak. And it does seem like Arthur Smith is the duty. It does have the respect of that team. I mean, last season going to bat for Marcus Mariota, like he did, I, you know, we kept coming in here Marcus Mariota was obviously not good enough. Uh, but I think it there were locker room implications there as well. And it does seem like that team really does like him and respect him and thinks that he would do what he needs to protect them, you know, but put put it on me. Let's talk about me. Forget about the kids in the locker room or whatever this, I mean, they're adults, but like, you know, compared to Arthur Smith and uh, make it about him. So yeah, I think that Arthur Smith will be probably not a coach of the year candidate coming out of this. uh, But I think this season, you're going to see him massively rise up this year. I just don't know if the Falcons have the overall infrastructure still to, you know, be a a 14 win team where they're going to be that much of a a shocker team.
0: Right. And, and, I think, um, you know, let's 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 talk about that. Let's move on to the the title on there. The ESPN came up with the, they they did their article of uh, against the spread, Their their betting lines, the wins, how many they're supposed to have. And at the end of the day, remember the when you see betting lines, they're not Vegas isn't disrespecting one team or the other. The ironic thing about Vegas is they don't want to bet. They don't want to gamble. They want half the money on this side. They want half the money on this side, so they can just take their five percent, their their uh their commission on that, on on those bets. That's how they're going to make their money. Um, in games, at least in sports betting, when they're setting up their their house games, blackjack, all that, all those odds are towards the house. They're not gambling. They're just betting on a long enough timeline we're going to win, and they do. They don't build those big buildings by giving money away. Um. So to that point, um, ESPN did their put their numbers in, in print against. Uh, I think it was yesterday, but it just a little bit of review. Their two thousand two prediction was four and a half wins. They went seven and ten. What was interesting, they were nine and eight against the spread. Okay, that's that's where you kind of want it to be. It was five hundred. But what's really interesting about that stat is the Falcons. Speaking of being disrespected and playing better than your perception. They were 6 and 0 against the spread to start the season, Nick. 6 and 0 against the spread. That's a team that's outplaying expectations. That goes back to Arthur Smith being a pretty good football coach, Nick.
1: Yeah. Yep. Now he's I think he's really underrated. I mean, we've been able to appreciate him from close up the last, you know, two seasons. This team's been playing above their head, so I think they're going to he'll be I guess the better question is, forget the 29. Where is he going to be ranked? a year from now. Right. Where are we going to be talking about him from a year from now? I think anywhere from honestly with how the Falcons team is set up with the schedule and the infrastructure and how the offensive pieces come back. I mean, I want to see Kyle Pitts healthy. I think that's a big part of what the offense is. Question still about Steve, uh, Steve Nelson? the Nelson, the defensive coordinator uh, for the Falcons as well. Ryan but Nielsen. I think Ryan Nielsen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Steve Nelson was a basketball player. Ryan mm-hmm. Nielsen. Uh, I think, but for Arthur Smith, I think a year from now, we're talking about 13 to 17 range. I yeah, think I was thinking, you know, at. 10 to
0: 15 would be a high point. So plus or minus two, that's that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. It, it takes, you know, well, let's see, let's see who's in that 10 range and see if we if we've got any younger, younger guys. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's probably the youngest in there, uh, as far as like maybe being the least accomplished. Um, but Andy Reid, 24 years. Kyle Shanahan, seven, number three, Belichick speaks for himself. Um, Sean McVeigh's already seven years in. Uh, John Harbaugh is 16 years in. Wow. Mike Tomlin, 17 years in Sean McDermott. I didn't realize he'd been the B- Bills head coach for seven years already. Sean Payton is 16th years as a head coach. Pete Carroll, 18 years as a head coach. And number 10, Doug Peterson, um, is in his seventh year as a head coach. That's about as high. So, you know, you got to earn your way up there. I, I think, mm-hmm. I-, I think that's fair for sure. And I-, I think it's a funny comment. Cristiano says that McDaniels, Josh McDaniels at 30 is way Way too high. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure you're wrong on that. Uh, Eberflus is the head. He was 32nd at Chicago. There aren't many. I I, I wouldn't take Josh McDaniels over anybody in the NFL. Nobody. And, and not just because he's destructive. He's, he's a negative as well. You know, we talk about war all the time. Wins against replacement. He's a negative, man. He's a negative. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg.
1: yeah he's I mean he'll be gone probably this year he would have been gone uh last season too but apparently it's something to do with money out there and uh the Raiders they're kind of low on that so they didn't want to have the money to pay him out his contract and then hire a new head coach so um at least that's the the rumor out there in uh Vegas so we'll be seeing we'll we need be, some of that to be Tom see. Brady money to come in and, and help buy out uh and then put Brady in his head coach. God, that's who knows. Maybe he can come in and be the owner quarterback while uh, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back from his surgery or whatever it is going on there. But yeah, McDaniel's terrible. I'm not too concerned about the list, really. I mean, the results will speak for themselves. Him coming out, Arthur Smith coming in at 28, just to me says, you haven't been paying close enough attention. And how could you pay? enough attention to every single team to have that level of knowledge of every single coach and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I I just, again, did your team overachieve
1: or underachieve? If you overachieve, you shouldn't be in the bottom fifth. Uh, Can you go through the list? Um, I'm just like, keep, I'm going to tell you, I think we should go through and be like, okay, this is actually where I'd slot him. So you have the top of the top guys there. Obviously that's true, but I'm curious about like 13 on Yeah,
0: 11 was Matt LaFleur. 12 was Nick Sirianni Eagles. 12 was Mike Vrabel Titans six year. 14 was Zach Taylor, Bengals, fifth season. Uh, 15 was Brian Dayball, second season. That's that's pretty high, but that's the New York giant. You know, CBS is out of uh, CBS. I, I'm not sure where he is, but we talk about that New York bump all the time. Especially 16, the Frank Reich, Panthers. Um, 17, Kevin O'Connell in his second season with Minnesota after going 13 and four last year. 18 is Mike McDaniel after going 9 and 8 with the Dolphins. Now didn't they predict them to be like, you know, 11 and 6, 12 and 5 last year? Uh Mike McCarthy Cowboys in 17th season at 19. Uh 20 Kevin Stefanski Browns, fourth year as a head coach. He's 26 and 24. 21 Ron Rivera Commanders in his 13th year as a head coach. 22 Dan Campbell who is also in his third year as a head coach who is 17 and 28. Uh, in his record with in his going into his fourth year. Brandon Staley, 19 and 15 with the Chargers. Where, where would the Chargers be if Arthur Smith had been there for three years? 24, Shane Steichen hasn't coached a game. 25, D'Amico Ryans has not coached a game. 26, Robert Salah, third year. He is 11 and 23 with the Jets, coming in ahead of uh 14 and 20. Arthur Smith at 26. 27, Dennis Allen. Uh, he is 15 and 38 in five years as a head coach. 28, Todd Bowles. Second season with Tampa Bay, six as a head coach. 29, Arthur Smith. 30, Josh McDaniels. 31, Josh Gannon. Uh,
1: Cardinals, first year rookie head coach. 32, Matt Eberflus that list as soon as you got to 20 i'm like yep there's arthur smith wherever you who has said at 2021 20, that was right where we said and off the cuff i thought about 20th would mm-hmm. be where i'd have him as well so 18 to 22 i think is what we said that range 18 to 24 20 i think is where i'd put him not 29
0: yeah the 29 again you, you see some people in there you know what has robert salab done to, to, to be ranked that much farther ahead of him
1: <laughs> one games with zach wilson
0: <laughs> well yeah they you know they again We'll see. Yeah. We'll we'll see on that one. I uh, want to say hello to some folks that have started working their way in as well. And Roderick Cook, across the pond, he says, afternoon all, I don't care what people say about us. The more it's missed, the better for us. 10 and 7 for me. Um, Eric Max says, I'd rather wait till the end of the season. That, that, that's all that matters. But it is July, uh, Eric, and we're going to talk about these things, you know, the 5th of July. <laughs> when we hit uh, the 5th of September, we'll have more relevant things to talk about. Uh, but I do want to tell, What are what are people saying about the Falcons? And it, it might, I, I think, I don't know how much it actually mattered anyway, because who did the Falcons target as a free agent that they didn't get? You know, they did really well. Again, I, I really love that <clears throat> Calais Campbell signing, because it was a statement signing for me. This was a guy who could have gone to a lot of places, and he picked Atlanta. He picked mm-hmm. Atlanta. Going back to recruiting, why is recruiting, college football recruiting, so much fun? Games are won and lost all the time. Yeah, that happens. Referee screwed us. Bad call. You know, whatever. The, this slippery guy fumbled. But what validates that I am better than you more so than this 17-year-old kid saying, I pick you. I pick you over them. See, I told you we were better than you. Claes Campbell yeah. did that. He had the choice to go to a lot of places, and he went to the Atlanta Falcons. That's a statement of intent for me on that one. So I do I do like that pick. Um Jason Heller coming in. Appreciate you coming in, Jason. Good to see you. This is morning, everyone. Falcons will be ten plus wins due to schedule, improved defense, and better quarterback play. Um, I think I, I like that number for all of those reasons, and I'll include just the they're strong in the trenches. You know that offensive line. We want to talk about you know identity. This team ha- now has an identity, Nick. There's there's no doubt about it. What this this Falcons identity is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, run the football. I still think, you know, the defense should be better. The talent still has a lot of question marks uh, to me though, especially in the secondary uh, at cornerback outside of AJ Terrell. Can AJ Terrell bounce back uh, to his 2021 season as well? That'll be a story within a story of the season. And how does that defensive line separate itself? And the one thing I will add, you know, this, this should be better this season, but we've seen the numbers. The Falcons actually had pretty good injury luck last season. And that doesn't, that resets every single year. The diet, you roll the dice again, you know, you spin the wheel and you hopefully hope for no whammies. So that's one where on paper, it looks like it should be better this season, but you never know. You don't want to test uh, fate too hard on that one. Speaking from a Broncos fan, who's keeps hitting, you know, bankruptcy on that uh, wheel of misfortune in the injury luck department.
0: So the Falcons look ahead to 2023. Their, their over under run win totals is eight and a half. We, we've talked about that before. Uh, I think that's a fair number. And frankly, it's double what it was last year. How'd that happen with this awful head coach? Um, but, uh, and then uh, the odds to make the playoffs is just plus 115, which is 16th. Which, how many teams make the playoffs now? 16?
1: 18? Uh, 14.
0: Is it 14? So they're right. They're right there on the edge. But, you know, eight and a half wins won't do it. But nine might. 10 probably will. Um At plus 115 means you would have to bet $115 to get a payback of 100. Mm -hmm. So if I put in, if I go to the sports book and I drop down $115, I push this in, that's plus 115. When I cash my ticket out, they give me $215 back. That's what plus one. So it's not, that's a fairly even bet. That's not, uh, that's not very good odds against That's saying we think there's a 50, 50 chance that this is a playoff team. Pretty, pretty close to that. Um, and then Ozda win the Super Bowl is plus seven thousand. All right. Actually, I did that backwards, didn't I? So if I bet a hundred, I put down a hundred. I get paid two fifteen. Apologies, I, I mixed that up because if I go and make that same bet for the Falcons to win the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> if I put down a hundred, when I go cash my check after the Falcons win the Super Bowl, it's seventy one hundred dollars. So. Um, you know, that that's that's understandable. The Falcons are a long shot, but they're they're uh, a little bit less than 50-50 to make the playoffs. And I think that's fair. And what's interesting is Arthur Smith is getting a lot of love everywhere else. You know, the CBS one is kind of off the reservation just a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is what um this is what Tyler Fulham says about. It might be Fulgham, but it might be silent. Tyler Fulham on ESPN says um about Desmond Ritter. I know he's not proven yet, but I trust Arthur Smith to put him in a good spot to succeed. Um All of those things. Then he says, I, I think the Falcons are the most likely team to go worst to first in 2023. I think Atlanta is an NFC playoff team in 2023. They did key additions in here, and they, no. they did them against key departures. So key draft picks, Bijan Robinson, Matthew Bergeron, Zach Harrison, Clark Phillips. Running back, it's probably your starting left guard. Upside defensive end, and a, a really good football player as a, as a corner defensive back. You go through the key additions. We've been through this list a bunch. Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, Johnny Smith, Taylor Heineke, underrated addition, Jeff Okuda, Mike Hughes. Mac, Mac Hollins, uh, Bud Dupree, and defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. You go through the key departures, Nick, and you're kind of meh. Marcus Mariota, Chuma Adoga, Elijah Wilkinson. I did like Elijah Wilkinson. I wish he was still on the roster. Isaiah Oliver. I like him, but he has been replaced. Going to the 49ers. Cornerback Rashad Fenton. I I couldn't have told you his name if you if I remember him, oh yeah, I remember him. But if you said, who were the six defensive backs that played in week 15, I couldn't have come up with Rashad Fenton. Nick Kwiatowski, Anthony Fers- Fersker, played well. Fursker played well. And then the last two are probably the ones that matter. Rashad Evans, Rashawn Evans, uh, leading tackler, uh, good player for the Falcons and Alameda Zacchaeus. But I think you've upgraded Zacchaeus. I'm not sure the Falcons have upgraded Evans. There's, Caden Ellis will get more pressure for sure, but will he be able to do that cleanup job, make the reads and be the the steady tackling force in the middle of that defense, the way Rashawn Evans was.
1: Hard to say uh, that's uh, yeah, a lot of questions there on the, again, the defense, just a lot of guys who we'll find out about. I think Caden Ellis will be a big one for them, especially because of the, the pressure bringing ability uh, that he has as well. You know, Sean Payton kind of talked about it with the Broncos drafting. Drew Sanders is looking for force players, guys who can create, get after the passer, especially in today's uh, simulated pressure, defensive world, fake blitzes for uh, other of those at home or not fake blitzes. You know, are they coming? Or are they going? Uh, Dick LeBeau would be proud, but roll his eyes probably. Uh, and seeing what uh, Troy Anderson can do this season. I, my big question is, do we have any indication on who's going to be the green dot wear on that defense with the linebackers yet? It probably would be Caden Ellis, but I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything.
0: Would it be Troy Anderson? That and that and that is the question. You know, yeah. the, the who's, who's calling the signals back there from linebacker because Troy Anderson is a he is a hell of a football player, but he's relatively new to the linebacker spot. Um, you know, all things considered, and it's just a second year guy. Caden Ellis only started 11 games last year. So again, when you're talking the last two years, you got Foye Louacon. Okay, brilliant football player. 400 tackles the last couple of seasons, you know, you, you lost him last year, but Rashawn Evans came in and was a a steady Eddie at the job. Just, you know, you knew what you're going to get, uh, for you Broncos fans watching. I know we've got a lot of crossover, you know, he's Mm -hmm. Josie Jewell. He, he does his job really well. Do you have that on defense now in the middle? Maybe, maybe we'll see. I, I think you've got higher upside guys. Caden Ellis and Troy Anderson are both significantly more athletic than Rashawn Evans, um, but Caden's being brought in a little bit more to be a disruptor, as opposed to making sure the guy who gets past the initial point of attack goes for four yards instead of 14 yards, and that's where it could be uh, be questionable. Uh, smart ride coming in. Leon Mapstone, good morning. I'll say good morning again. Smart ride coming in uh, a little bit on the naysayer side of things. He says Coach Smith has placed himself in that spot with questionable draft picks, selecting average quarterbacks going run heavy over passing two losing seasons. He needs better results last year. Um,
1: go ahead, go ahead, Nick. And I'll, uh, I'll, will fo- follow up. I mean, he's not incorrect in saying that he's put himself in that position be- with the results of the team so far. Uh, and you can only really go off of what your results are. I mean, at the bottom line and you are what your record says you are is true. With that said, he's not the one making a lot of the draft picks. I'm sure he has influence there, but he's not the general manager and uh, he's going with what he has. I mean, a lot of teams, every single team would have a Patrick Mahomes if they could, You, but everybody's searching for that guy. So you have to make the best of what you have available, and I think for the most part, I mean, you can go back and see the low-light reels of Kyle Pitts running wide open and Mariota missing him. You know, you can't force the quarterback to execute the play uh, if you draw it up correctly and get the guy open. So uh, this season will hopefully be better. Like I said, it's a make-or-break year for him. I'm willing to kind of overlook a lot of the Falcons' weaknesses uh, over the last couple seasons, because I think the roster was devoid of contending level talent. I don't think that's the case this season though. So he's going to have to bring it together. The offense will have to improve and o- the overall uh, team will have to improve as well. So he needs better results this year. No doubt. I agree with smart ride at the bo- the bottom line of that one.
0: In 2021, they threw the ball 573 times. They rushed it 393. What was the difference in 2021, Nick?
1: they had an actual drop back quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) They had Matt Ryan. Exactly.
0: In 2022, those numbers flipped to 415 attempts against 559 rushing attempts. So I'm not as far as the going run heavy over passing, you know, and, and that goes to your, your, your second part of this though, smart ride selecting average quarterbacks. Well, When you got Marcus Mariota and a third round rookie, you you better, and you've got an offensive line that is dominating and and some good running backs. Yeah. You you better run the ball. Um, I didn't want Marcus Mariota throwing the ball 30 times a game. So you go back to the question, selecting average quarterbacks or questionable draft picks. Nick hit on this. That's the job of a general manager. And, And right now we're talking head coaches. Now, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have talked constantly that they are a partnership. So he's not, he's not, his hands aren't clean in this for sure. Um that said, I think the draft picks have been been good. Um, you know, I I haven't agreed with Kyle Pitts, I would have taken Justin Fields. No hindsight grading on that one. I wouldn't have taken Drake London, I would have taken Kyle Hamilton. Um, but you know, when you get you get Taquan Graham in the fifth, you get Tyler Algier in the fifth, um, you get, you know, there's a lot of players that have played well as, as as draft picks for this team. And the ones that even I didn't disagree uh, with at the time have been good. Drake London's been really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle Pitts was really good as a rookie. Struggled a little bit more with a non-passing quarterback. Um, But run heavy, I get it. Two losing seasons. What'd you expect, man? You know, Mm -hmm. again, are are you of the opinion that with an average head coach, this was a 500 team? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. A lot of this was by design. A lot of it was they wanted a one-year deal for Marcus Mariota so they could move on to 2023. A lot of it was set up for 2023. So I'm okay with them being ranked lower. What I'm not okay with, though, is having Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans ahead of Arthur Smith when they haven't coached it down. Let's see if D'Amico Ryans can squeeze seven wins out of that Houston Texans team this year. Um, yeah. And they're doing it with two top five picks, one of them being a quarterback. So, So we'll see we'll, yeah, that's we'll gonna... see but some of some of these questions smart ride are about the general manager aspect of the job not necessarily the
1: head coach yeah and i like it when you rank quarterbacks as well you have that tier at the bottom of we have no data we cannot rank these guys just yet and i feel like that's where you know your shane steik and demiko ryan's just, just oblig- uh, obligatory need to be the last guys yep 30
0: 31 and 32 call them incompletes you know yeah. uh, you know uh, Undefined. However, whatever math equation you want to use, you, you can't put those guys up against established head coach, except maybe Josh McDaniels. <laughs> I'd rather have anybody over him. Leon asks, okay, do we get the Falcons get Ryan Tannehill? No, that, that's not going to happen, Leon. Um, that's media speculation for clickbait headlines. If they were to trade anybody and then take on Ryan Tannehill's contract, I think there would be an uproar in Atlanta. I, I, I think... I think just about everybody, I mean, there's always going to be exceptions. There's millions of fans. But for the the vast, vast, vast majority of Falcons fans are ready to see Desmond Ritter. They want to see what Desmond Ritter can do. Now, Mm -hmm. they will turn on him quickly and say, okay, we need a new quarterback if he falls flat on his face. But I think that Desmond Ritter is, is the guy for Falcons fans. I think
1: people are very interested to see what he can do. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, if Desmond Ritter completely falls flat on his face uh, this season, and Arthur Smith does enough to you know keep the team still competitive in spite of Ritter's failures, maybe you're talking about a Tannehill com- combined with a rookie quarterback or something. I mean, we'll have a chance at some point, Scott. I really like uh, the upcoming crop of uh, quarterbacks that could be in the 2024 draft. It's a it's a deep. Class. Everybody will talk about uh, Caleb Williams, obviously, and Drake May, but I think there goes maybe eight deep on uh, this upcoming class of guys that are worthwhile talking about maybe even more. So if uh, Ritter fails, maybe you're talking about Tannehill coming in for, you know, the veteran. Hopefully he gets beat out by a rookie or something like that, but have a lot of question marks about Ritter long term. think he's going to be good enough, though, to keep this team moving in the right direction. Just has to be smart with the ball. Can completely do the easy and, and stuff. And
0: Cristiano follows that. He says, "Do you guys have somewhat of a prediction of Ritter's play evolution this season? What would you? What are you expecting on 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 this,
1: Nick? I want him to hit the layups, keep the offense going. He just needs to go out there. This maybe will be not too dated of a a analysis on this one, but something you can at least relate to. Rajan Rondo on that Celtics super team. You know, when they had Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce." Rondo was great, but Rondo was great because he was able to set the table for the guys around him. He didn't have to do too much. He just had to make the easy pass when it was there and read it correctly. I think that's true with Ritter as well. Keep the offense going. Protect the football. If there's an obvious read, do it. Pull the football down from time to time. Just keep it chugging along and set your playmakers up around you uh, to do well. I think Arthur Smith is a great offensive mind and schemer, like we've said multiple times on the show. Do the easy stuff well, and if you can hit the hard stuff every once in a while, it'll be fine kind of like we talked about also Dak Prescott early in his career when he had Des Bryant and uh, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, the best offensive line in football at that time. You don't have to go out there and be Peyton Manning. Just do the simple stuff and it's going to be, it's going to work out for you.
0: So I did a sort on uh, quarterback rating, you know, what, what to expect. And I, I think uh, a number in the nineties, even the low nineties should be a- a- acceptable for, for Desmond Ritter. Um, Sam Darnold in six games played, had a 92.6, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. That's a small sample size. So let's take a look at someone like Ryan Tannehill, the guy that everybody's been talking about. Uh in 12 games, he was 2,500 yards with 13 to, a two to one, 13, 13 touchdowns and six interceptions. Um Jared Goff was seventh. He had 29 touchdowns and seven interceptions. I think that would be a little bit much to ask of a, of a first-year starting quarterback. But let's say Kirk Cousins. Now he threw for 4,500 yards. I don't expect that to happen, but he was a two to one. Dak Prescott was in 12 games was 2,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. How about Lamar Jackson in 12 games, uh, 2,200 yards, 17 and seven. So I'm looking for 3,500 yards and a two to one touchdown interception ratio. Let's call it twenty five and twelve. That would be a little bit more than a touchdown a game. And I want to see about four hundred yards of rushing with three or four touchdowns as well.
1: yeah, I, yeah, the numbers that all looks good. just protect the darn football and keep the offense on pace. You don't have to go out there and be Mahomes doing no look passes. It can be half field breeds for all I care. Uh, but there's gonna be guys open. find the open guy, make the correct pre-snap read, check to the proper run uh, run fits based on what the defensive front's doing. Do the simple stuff and hit the layups, and the offense should be just fine because, the bread and butter is the run game and the infrastructure surrounding Ritter. Right.
0: And that's why I don't expect to see, you know, 40 touchdowns, but uh, you know, yeah. he had two and four games, you know, that's not going to cut it. That's eight, <laughs> nine touchdowns in a season. That, that's not going to cut it. But 25 touchdowns, I think is it, it's, that's not an overwhelming number. If even for a passing team, that's less than two a game, you know, to every other game with one touchdown. Um, but let's throw 30 in there with the rushing touchdowns. 30 touchdowns, and I don't want to see a bunch of fumbles either. Protect the ball. Protect the ball. And Ryan comes in. Desmond Ritter is the starting quarterback. He's one of the hottest rookie cards to pull right now. People believe in him. It's time for the Falcons to believe him. Ryan, I don't have any question right now that the Falcons believe in him. And mm-hmm. I I don't know if you had just joined us because I feel like this is your first comment. But I think that the Falcons fans, even if they not necessarily believe in him, they've seen enough that they want to see more. You know, okay, this is our guy. We don't have to look at quarterback for the next 10 years. I don't think anybody's there, but I think the poll, if you polled rational Falcons fans, there's a few of them out there, you'd get 80% say, yeah, we're good with Desmond Ritter starting this season. We don't have any hopes of Super Bowl contention this year, but we, we could find out we get our our starting quarterbacks already on the roster.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? Eh, gonna be a big season. I mean, God, this is a this is a fork in the road season for the Falcons and what direction this is going forward. Because if Desmond Ritter's bad and the team fails, you could be talking about a new quarterback, a new head coach, new coaching staff in there in general this season for the Falcons. A lot of the big components would still be there, obviously, but uh, this is a big season uh, for a lot of these key uh, key pieces for the Falcons. So I I think Ritter's gonna be fine this season. The question for me, and I've said this on here many times, I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback for his rookie contract overall, but mm-hmm. is he the guy that is worthwhile of that second contract? Are you looking, is he going to be a big, uh, big game hunter, so to speak, you know, one of those market shifting contract Daniel guys. Jones. Yeah. I mean, even Daniel Jones, Dan- Yeah, that's- Daniel
0: Jones went from, we're not going to give, we're not going to pick up his fifth year option to $40 million a year. And we'll see how that works out for them. That's a <laughs> lot of money for Daniel yeah. Jones. Now, he should be kicking about a third of that back to Brian Dayball, mm-hmm. you know, and that that comes into the system, and and you know what? What I'll be interested in is I want to have that conversation. Yeah. I, I want that to be a conversation with Jeffrey Akuda at the end of the season. He's on a one-year deal. The Falcons did not exercise his fifth-year option from Detroit as a first-round draft pick, so he's a free agent at the end of this year. Caleb McGarry was a free agent at the end of his contract last year. They did not pick up his fifth year option and he played his way into an eight figure deal. I'd like to have that conversation with Jeffrey Akuda. A, a starting level average to better, you know, 15th, that's even that with two corners and on, on the field at one time and probably 60 starting corners at one time, right? And this, or actually double that, I meant to say like 120. If he's a top 25 corner, he's gonna get an eight figure deal, okay. He's young. He's talented. Let's see. Um, I want to see if Desmond Ritter is getting $40 million, I want him to be winning games, not just not just losing. Not just not losing them, Nick.
1: Yeah. But for now, this season, just not losing is good enough for me. Uh, So that's not a high bar, especially the weapons around him. So hopefully it'll be good. I mean, again, he's going to probably have one of the best uh, looks in terms of play action of any quarterback. In the NFL this season, because teams are going to really respect Bijan Robinson. I mean, we saw how well the Falcons were running the football last year with, you know, a guy that I really like, Tyler Azure, but let's be real, he's not Bijan Robinson back there. Uh, so I think, you know, the under center stuff, the play action, they're going to have biting linebackers. They're going to have whole shots in there where he's going to be able to make easy, quick reads and get the ball out. Uh, hopefully, he can deliver them in pace and time and let his receivers do stuff after the catch with them. But uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good. Favorable situation for Ritter this season, where he can be good enough just to keep keep the offense chugging. Don't have to be the guy; just has to keep it alive. Yeah, Bijan's the total package. Um, yeah. I, I've said this a zillion times.
0: If you take this quote out of context, I'm going to sound like an idiot. But speed is overrated, um, and I mean that especially at the running back position. Um, I would rather have a four six guy that can break a tackle and has good balance over a four three guy that cannot and whose mm-hmm. vision is questionable and goes down at first contact. The 4-6 guy once he breaks through I mentioned it earlier about turning that 4-yard gain into 14-yard gains, your linebacker doing that. The guy that can break through the first level of of uh, if a line opens up and he's through the line and he can break a tackle from the linebacker, by the time people who are closing on the ball turn and change directions in order to catch a 4-6 guy, he's got 60 yards. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Um, it's just, it's the, the field's not big enough for guys that are this, this fast. Bijan can do that. And he is a four, three, five guy. (laughs) He's, he's the total package. And that's why you take him with, uh, with a top 10 pick in, and, and you want him, he's got to play right away. He's got to make an impact right away. You know, we've gotten into this before and there are some people that disagree with me and I'll take this one to the grave. You don't take a running back in the top 10 and have mid expectations because he's a rookie. No, no, no. He needs about 1300 yards from scrimmage and 10 plus touchdowns to justify that pick. And those are the expectations he should have going in. Yeah. Um finishing up here with some of the fantasy football rankings, Nick. Uh a good segue to Bijan is um Bijan Robinson comes in at number 5 overall on PFF's top 300. Uh, he comes to mind Christian McCaffrey, number one. I was a little surprised to see Austin Eckler, 29 years old, asking for a trade uh, and a new contract with the Chargers. Number two, Justin Jefferson, number three, Jamar Chase, number four, Bijan Robinson, number five. Um, I know you're not surprised to see
1: Bijan Robinson that high. No, I mean, God, this dynasty, right? Is this redraft no, or this dynasty? This
0: is flat out fantasy football. This okay. is
1: one year production. I would probably still take Bijan about three out of this list. Uh, Eckler. The thing with Eckler is that we do know that a, the Chargers don't have a lot of other options. We've seen what, uh, oh gosh, the new offensive coordinator for the chargers, who is with the Cowboy, Kellen Moore Kellen has Moore. done, mm-hmm. has done with a running back position in the passing game as well. So, I mean, how good Tony Pollard was last year. Now you don't have Zeke eating up touches as well in that kind of system there. They did draft a running back two years ago, uh, not CJ, Isaiah Spiller. So who might eat up some of the carries there from Texas A&M at, uh, for the chargers. But I, I think Bijan on this list, I'd probably take him third overall. I would have Christian McCaffrey. I'd have Justin Jefferson, and then I would have Bijan Robinson. And again, I just keep coming back to when you're drafting guys in fantasy, it's not just the name on the back. It's the situation that they're in. And I think Bijan is just in such a good situation. I mean, Ritter, Ritter's ability to run hopefully should keep the edges a little bit more at bay. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously you don't have an incredible, you know, it's not like Patrick Mahomes back there and Justin Fields in terms of the rushing options there out of the backfield that make it really hard to defend. But Ritter's a good athlete, still the running game and how they design the game. So I'd have Bijan number three overall, to be completely honest. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor might still end up being one of the
0: safer picks. You mentioned Mm -hmm. Austin Eckler, Um, you know, he's, he's getting older. Yep. 29 years old. And then the other one, the, the running back four in that bunch was Saquon Barkley. Saquon's not even in camp right now. Um, Jonathan Taylor is still the guy with the Colts and they're going to be a run heavy team with a rookie quarterback as well. Um, who can also run the ball. So uh, I, I might, I think Jonathan Taylor might be the safer pick, but if you want to gamble just a little bit, Bijan Robinson is in there. Um, and then going down, we, we mentioned how high the dynasty rankings were for the Falcons because of their, their young. And, and they had two number one picks in Kyle Pitts at tight end and, and Bijan Robinson at running back in the dynasty rankings, which are keeper leagues. And keeper leagues are a lot of fun. Uh, but Kyle Pitts falls all the way to tight end five and number 50 overall. And then Drake London falls to uh, number 55 overall and wide receiver 25, where they were. Um, 19 and 20 or 19 and 22 uh, in the, in the dynasty ranking. So a little bit of a change there. I think those numbers are fair, Nick mm-hmm. um, based on your questions. Where's the quarterback? The quarterback is 31. I think he's going to have better than a 31 overall fantasy season, Desmond Ritter. Um, but your question's at quarterback and the scheme and the passing means that you're going to hold your fantasy numbers down a little bit. If B John Robinson is super high, it's hard for your passing components to be super high as well. Yeah, I I
1: agree. I, I think I'd probably have Drake London higher. Again, you have, I don't know who other guys are going to get funneled the ball. I mean, Kyle Pitts right now, we've seen it. We're optimistic with him, but it still could take a little bit of time for him to be fully unleashed and feeling confident again after suffering that injury. And your other passing out, what it is, Mac Collins, uh, Scotty Miller. I mean, the running backs are going to get a good amount of targets, but I see London being somebody who's going to be peppered with targets in this offense. So I'd probably go London even higher. Well, here's the one that gets me and listen up
0: Falcons fans. Cause this should get you as well. Do you know who is ahead of Pitts and London? I'll give, give you a hit. Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is ahead of both. Now, most of y'all probably pay, play fantasy football. And I like to use a phrase. I might be biased. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. Would you take Calvin Ridley for a one season over Drake London? For any seasons, I would probably way
1: in a fantasy football setting. I might take the number one wide receiver who has Trevor Lawrence throwing them the football versus the number one wide receiver. Calvin Ridley's the number one wide receiver because they don't have other really good wide receivers. Christian Kirk's not bad. Yeah, he's solid. Uh, And I think you have a little bit more. Also, you have who did they they lose? Because he was coming in as a three. Uh, Let me see. What's their depth chart look like? They do have um, Evan Ingram who gets a lot of targets in the pass game, who is essentially a wide receiver, a defunct. Jay you know, Jones
0: and Christian Kirk. With Calvin Ridley as the number one. If he's the number if Calvin Ridley is the number one, that's going to be good for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, because they will move up to a second round pick, I think, if they end up re-signing him. But I wouldn't take. They're, they're going to spread the ball. Lawrence will spread the ball around a little bit more, I think. But uh, there's no way I would trust Calvin Ridley over those guys. No way. No way would I. And again,
1: just because I'm biased doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> I agree. I think it, again, I could hear the argument for it. I would take London over it just because of the variety. Oh, you froze also up talked on about a earlier. little bit. There we go. Simplified offensive schemes. I think you can. I'm here. Uh, I think you can simplify things a lot more for uh, Desmond Ritter. and You probably have to uh, f- compared to Trevor Lawrence as well. So that means that the half field reads, you know, the play action drop back where it's easy, you know, turn around, you already set it up where Jake London is going to have one-on-one on a slot as the, or one-on-one on a slant from the slot position. So I think it would make sense. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Ridley did have a better season because Trevor Lawrence is going to be a, I would assume a much more prolific passer uh, than Desmond Ritter is this season, just how the offense is set up and, these caliber of quarterbacks we're talking about here. Uh, But Drake London has a much higher floor, a much more sure thing. So I would probably take him more, but I think I wouldn't completely underestimate uh Ridley being good just because again, for fantasy football, it's not about the individual talent. It's about the situation they're in and the talent surrounding them.
0: No, it's not about, you know, him being good. It's about Drake London is good. Mm-hmm. You know, he is good. And <clears throat> Drake London's last five games after uh after Pitts went down in the Chicago game, that was week 11. They played six more games after that in his last five games. That's 190, 260, 380, um, 420 yards, 430 yards in his last five games. That, that averages out to about 1,500, 1,600 yards. Now, I don't expect him to have 1,600 yards receiving, but with Matt Ryan in a prime... Julio taking double coverages away. You know, Calvin Ridley's best season was 1,300 yards. I, I just, and the guy's been away. He hadn't played a meaningful down of football in almost three years. It's, that one's, uh, that one's a little bit crazy to me. That one, it, it just, he's getting, people are having amnesia on that one. I promise you, if he was with the Falcons, he wouldn't be getting that much love, no matter who the quarterback was. Um, and Chris Walker says, that- call me a Missouri native he's going to have to show me for sure.
1: I do think that the denominator for the Jags offense also when it's when we're not talking efficiency but overall volume I would assume the volume of passing is going to be much higher in Jacksonville than Atlanta which is another reason that for pure raw output of fantasy numbers I could th- ridley being higher but the i think the floor is so much lower i would rather draft drake london ridley's one of those guys where you have a really good number one Let's say you have jeff you had jefferson with your first pick and you're like man this guy if things fall right he could be a number one but i'm not depending on him being my number one or even my number two going in it's more of a a wild card situation yeah, uh, he's, he's
0: still ranked in the 40s i think so he's um i think he was 48 Calvin Ridley was was 46 so you're talking end of the fourth round you should already have you know he's a, he's a he's a guy but I certainly wouldn't uh, again I would take pitts in London over them and he, we talk about volume but volume of targets to the individual should still be high for Pitts in London because the ball won't be spread out as much in the passing game but we'll see yeah on that note, I want to thank everybody for being here. I think we're going to jump out of here. Uh, Nick and I will be back tomorrow on Mile High Huddle at nine thirty Eastern to talk some Denver Broncos fantasy. A lot of this similar topics, just with a Broncos slant. Otherwise, we'll be we will be back on Monday, Monday morning at nine a.m. Um, in order to 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 uh, you know to to wrap up the Falcons as we close in on training camp, which is coming up real quick. Um, If you have any questions, please leave them in the comments. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. And uh, find us on Apple Pods at the Falcons Podcast. And if you are listening, give us a review. It helps us a ton. On that note, any final words uh,
1: on this uh, this gorgeous Wednesday? Uh, Nothing. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hope everyone, like I said, didn't start any wildfires or lose any digits last night. And uh, (laughs) happy birthday, America. Um, still Still going strong, and hopefully everybody's enjoying their summer. And... Yeah, we'll be continuing coming at you guys Wednesday. I'll be here more sporadically on Mondays because I got a lot of uh, different backpacking trips and stuff coming up. But uh, yeah, everyone stay safe and uh, hopefully your air quality is not tanked uh, from yesterday's uh, festivities. Yeah, not not too bad. We get a, a, a nice rinsing off about every day here
0: in the South. It's turned into like Florida has, those late afternoon thunder showers. On that note, appreciate everybody being here today and uh, we'll see y'all on Monday. Have a good week, everybody. Peace.